So I'm going to tell the story about Christmas, which is really a birthday celebration for a baby named Jesus. Well, when this story takes place, it was a really dark time in history, and everybody was praying for somebody to come along and be a king to guide the world and help them to feel more peace and more happiness. So they prayed and prayed. Well, this story took place a long time ago and far, far away. There was a person walking to Bethlehem, and his name was Joseph. And there was a woman riding a donkey next to him, and her name was Mary. Mary and Joseph were going to Bethlehem, and Mary was very pregnant. She was hoping that when she got to Bethlehem, they would find a nice room that was very comfortable. So they were going along because, you know, riding on a donkey is not comfortable. So they got to Bethlehem and Joseph went to the inn, which is like a hotel. And he knocked on the door and they opened it up and he said, do you have any rooms available? And they said, nope, sorry, no rooms. Go try the inn down the road. And so he led Mary on the donkey, and they went down the road, and he knocked on the door, and the door opened. They said, sorry, no room. Try the inn at the edge of town. You might find something there. So Joseph took Mary down the road to the little inn, knocked on the door, and they opened the door. And he was just about to say, do you have any room? And she says, we're filled up. There's no room here. But if you really need a place to stay, you can go behind. There's a a little stable in the field, and you can stay there. It's dry, and it's warm, and there's clean straw, and there's a cow and a little lamb, but there's lots of room. So Joseph looked at Mary, and Mary went. She was very ready to rest. So Joseph led her back to the little stable and he helped her get off the donkey and then they went in the stable and then he made a nice bed of straw and he put a blanket over the straw and then she laid down and she was very comfortable. And that night, she had her baby and they had picked a name for him for the little boy and they named him Jesus, little baby Jesus. And they felt such peace, all the troubles that they had during the day seemed to melt away and they just felt this peace inside and after a while the little baby went to sleep and Mary wrapped him up in a blanket and put him in the manger the manger is where they feed the animals the hay and then she got to rest so when she was resting their donkey came in and he came over and he looked at the baby and then he walked away And then the lamb, the lamb was feeling kind of this joy. She never felt this in her stable. And she went over and she looked at this little baby and she licked him on the arm. And then the cow, the cow also felt this joy in her stable. It was a mama cow and she felt this joy in her stable. And she looked around and she thought, it's probably something good that I just eaten. So she didn't even get up. (laughs) And outside, not far away, there were three wise men. And they were very richly dressed. And they had come from far, far away just to 
honor this little baby who had come to earth to bring peace to people. And they say that they were guided there by a star in the sky. Some people say that, but some people say they were guided there by a star in their forehead, the spiritual eye. And that's how they found this little stable. So they came in, and there was the baby, and they knelt down, and they were right next to the baby, and and little baby Jesus was sleeping, and then he suddenly opened his eyes, and he saw these three wise men. And he looked, and he smiled, and he looked at each one of them, and it it was like they were old friends. And these wise men had, each one had a present, like a Christmas present. And this, each of these presents was very valuable. It was like fit for a king. And they thought to themselves, this is, this is the great soul that everybody has been praying for. And here he is. Well, outside, not too far away, on a field, on a hill, there was a flock of sheep, and they were all sleeping. And then there was two shepherds, and the shepherds were brothers. And the shepherds take care of the sheep. And they were kind of dozing off. And then there was this golden light. And an angel appeared. And at first, the shepherds, they woke up and they looked and they were really kind of scared. And the angel said, don't, don't be afraid. I bring you news of great joy. The Christ child has been born And he's not very far away in a stable. And then all of a sudden the whole sky filled with angels. And the angels were all singing glory to God on the highest and peace in all hearts. A whole sky full of angels. And as fast as they came, they all disappeared. And the two brothers, they looked at each other. They didn't say anything. They just looked at each other. And then they started running towards Bethlehem because they wanted to see what this was all about. They ran and they ran and they got to the edge of the town where there was this little stable and they went right up to the door and they looked in and they saw this little cradle, this little manger with a baby in it. And they saw these wise men that were now standing around the cradle and they were, the wise men were dressed in like purple silk and gold robes and stuff. And the shepherds, they were simple folk. They were very simple. They didn't have very good clothes, and they hadn't really even learned very much at school. They didn't even go to school. And <laughs> they were wearing shabby clothes with kind of rips and stuff, and they, they looked inside, and they saw all this beautiful, these beautiful people, and they, were, they didn't think it was for them. But then the wise men turned and saw them and motioned them to come in. And see the baby. And so the, the shepherds kind of timidly walked in. And they walked over to the manger and looked. He looks peaceful. <laughs> then they stepped back and they were just looking around the manger and looking around the stable. And then one of them got up the nerve and he pulled on the sleeve of the wise man right near him. The silk sleeve. He pulled on the sleeve. And the shepherd said, uh, who, who, who is he? <laughs> and the wise man said, He's Jesus the Christ. And he's come to show many people the way to God's kingdom. And the shepherd said, Oh, oh, oh God's kingdom. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Then he was silent and he started to think, God's kingdom, that's where heaven, that's heaven. Yeah, everybody knows God's kingdom is heaven, but that's far away. And that's after you die. And that's just for priests and, and really rich people that are good, not for me. And as he was thinking this, the room got very quiet and the shepherd got very still inside. And then he started to feel something. He started to feel in his own heart that, that there was heaven there. And as he started to concentrate on that place in his heart, he started to feel more and more heaven. And then suddenly he realized, this is what this baby has come to bring. Heaven inside. And when Jesus grew up, That's what he did. He taught people how to find heaven inside. And he used to tell people, this is what he would say. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. And even though I started by saying this story was long, long ago and far, far away, it's really not. It's really right here and right now because Jesus, the Christ, is still helping people to find heaven within them. And this is the story of Christmas. So this is our reading for this week. And it is, what was the star of Bethlehem? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Divine vision is the opposite of worldly sight. Divine vision sees God's presence behind all outward appearances. Worldly sight sees appearances merely, coating even the blazing wisdom of a saint. A master to a worldly man is a human being with perhaps a slightly better attitude than the norm. The scriptures, therefore, strive to demonstrate how the divine consciousness, when openly active among men in the lives of great masters, must never be viewed as an expression of ordinary human consciousness. To seek the presence of divinity behind the life of a great master is to prepare oneself to recognize that same divinity also in lower manifestations, until at last one beholds God everywhere. Thus it was that Paramahansa Yogananda, on observing his new disciple Swami Kriyananda, struggling with the contrast between the guru's human appearance and his inner divine reality, looked at him deeply one day and said, If you only knew my consciousness... The story of the birth of Jesus contains an account of the gospel in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2 of the Star of Bethlehem. The wise men who sought Jesus in his manger said, We have seen his star in the east, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. This account was important, for it showed all mankind that Jesus was a divine incarnation, 
and no ordinary man, that he brought divine consciousness to earth, even though he would play a human role among human beings, and that others too, by receiving him in their inner hearts, would acquire power, as the Bible put it, to become the sons of God. The scriptures enjoin us to meditate on the lives of great souls, that we may discover our own latent spiritual greatness. As the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the fourth chapter, He knows the truth touching my births on earth and my divine work. When he quits the flesh, puts on its load no more, falls no more down to earthly birth, to me he comes, dear Prince. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Christmas, everyone. It's such a joy to be with all of you and in a community which is rare on earth, such as Ananda Village. So our reading from Whispers is The Rocket of My Love. I withdrew the life force from my body, the breath which had kept me tied to the burden of flesh, no longer shook my awareness. The rocket of life penetrated through the star in the all-seeing eye of light in my forehead. The rocket soared outward, its cone of focused energy and deep feeling exploded to oneness with the countless atoms of space and with the little points of self-awareness in all beings. At last, like an expanding cloud nebula, I embraced the vast spirit beyond space itself to enter the heart of thine omnipresent silence. Tim told the story of this birth of Jesus and the star of Bethlehem so beautifully and I'm sure we were all inspired by it I know I was but really the inner meaning as Master explains and Swami expounds of the star of Bethlehem is the inner sight that is born of deep meditation and that's as is explained in yogic terms, the star was not a heavenly body, it was not a literal star, but the inner light, the awakened spiritual eye in these three great kings or great yogis. As Master teaches, they were Lahiri Mahashaya, Babaji, and Sri Yukteswar, who came from India to because intuitively, through their deep, awakened perception, they knew that the Christ had been born, that a great, 
brethren of theirs, a great awakened soul with a world mission that would be joined with theirs in time, had come. And they came to make that inward connection with him. And then, according to subtler teachings not taught in traditional Christianity, at the age of 15, in those lost years of Jesus, as they talk about, Christ left the land of his birth and traveled to the east. And it was there that he returned the visit to the great sages. And there are many recordings in remote monasteries throughout India. I shouldn't say many, but a handful of recordings, old texts and documents talking about the visit of this awakened soul who had come to uh, India to study, to reconnect with his brethren in God, and then to go back, even though he knew the end of the story, those last three years of his mission would be ones of great tests and trials, but he knew that was the reason he had come to earth, to fulfill that mission. And so the story of the Star of Bethlehem really represents the awakening awareness in each one of us to see the divinity in the seemingly mundane and prosaic. And just as Tim described it so beautifully, the shepherds came, these humble men, and at first all they saw was a a poor Jewish couple in a manger, in a stable, I should say. Their clothes, too, were worn, travel-worn and soiled. Their uh, Mary, the mother, was exhausted from riding on a donkey in full pregnancy to the land of Bethlehem, according to the laws of Rome, to for the census, for the tax purposes. But it had been uh, prophesied that the Christ would be born in Bethlehem. And so even the laws of Rome had a more expanded divine purpose to bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem where the Christ was to be born. And so the eyes of the world saw only humility, poverty, tiredness, exhaustion. But the awakened eyes of the kings, they saw the Christ. They saw what had happened. And the shepherds too, to have to be present at that time at the birth of Christ, humble though they were outwardly, these had to be great souls, great souls to be present and to look, to, to capture the first gazes, the first light of awareness that came out of those beautiful eyes of the Christ child. And so this is the task before all of us. We can walk in the world and we can see each other, we can see our friends and family and colleagues, and we can see them, oh yes, that's this person and that person. But the awakened eyes, the eyes of God, which are in each one of us, sees the divinity in each person, in each creature, in each flower, each tree. When we were in India, I was so touched because I've always loved plants, and we were 
uh, when we were, some of you know the whole story, but just we were at this beautiful natural reserve, the Pench Tiger Reserve, and we were sitting on outside our bungalow, and there was a beautiful tree there with elongated leaves. And I just happened to say to our host and guide, uh, Satya Prakash, I said, what's the story of that tree? And he said, ah, that is the Ashoka tree. And he just started telling me, this is the tree that Sita sat under when Ravana stole her away. And this is the tree, the Ashoka tree is the tree that Buddha was sitting under when he left the body. And he went on and on. And then someone later, Devarshi actually, gave me a book, The Sacred Plants of India. And almost every plant there has a sacred story associated with it and is revered. The Tulsi plant, which is related to our uh, basil, sweet basil, which the word basilica comes from, was regarded as a sacred plant. And the Tulsi is worshipped in every Hindu home, and they see it as divinity. And so it's with the eyes of God within us that we can see the world as it truly is. That's why Master said, if you only knew how beautiful you all are, I see you all as beings of light. And when Master said to Swamiji, if you knew my consciousness, if if you only knew my consciousness, he wasn't saying that as kind of, if you only knew, you know, like a taunt. He was saying, come to know my consciousness. Try to know my consciousness. Because if and when you do, then you too will be awakened. And that's what he was drawing, Swami. And Swami, and Master through Swami to all of us, drawing us to awaken that inner vision that sees the divinity, even in the most humble of circumstances, often in the most humble of circumstances, truly. Because what the message, the true symbolism of the Star of Bethlehem is, is for us to see that divinity, but see the merging, the coming together, the magnificent moment, when there in that humble stable with the animals, the donkey and the little sheep and the cow and the calf and straw strewn around and the little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, placed in the manger, the feeding trough, in that coming together of the divine and the human or the mundane, that is the lesson that we are supposed to learn in this life, that nothing is mundane, that everything is divine. And the more, and that's why it says in the beautiful reading that Swami gave us this week, that if we meditate on the lives of the saints, it isn't just to push them away and say, oh, how great they were, how far away they were, just as Tim was saying, oh, heaven, that's far away, and that's for people who lived a long time ago. If we can understand the lives of the saints, and why does someone like Christ come? Why does someone like Master come? To show us, to model for us, how to live in this world, how, the, how God, who is beyond creation, also interacts in creation. So 
so many episodes from the life of Jesus when the woman was brought to him who had committed adultery and they were going to stone her to death as the law prescribed. And he just very, did he say, no, no, don't stone her. He just, with wisdom and compassion, he simply said, and they said, Master, the law says, or Rabbi, the law says, the woman had taken an adultery, we must stone her to death. And he didn't contradict, he just said, let him who is without, he among you, who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. What wisdom, what compassion. And that's what they're trying to show us, that we should never judge, that we should just say, who am I to judge? Just as we have, we're fortunate to have a very, very fine Pope now. And when asked about questions, he said, who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? And so for all of us to live that way, and the beautiful, also this uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, where Christ said, consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. And yet Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as one of these. And he was saying, look at the glory in the lilies of the field. And they, they do nothing to deserve it. They don't, they're just simply there in glory because that's how God made them. And all the, we could, as St. John says in the Gospel of St. John, if all the stories that could be told, if all the stories of Christ's life could be told, surely many books would be filled. We could spend many hours looking at every incident in Christ's life to find how we should live, not to worship only how he lived, but how we should live. And with our own guru, master, the epitome of joy that flowed through him the, the enthusiasm for life. He was not life-denying. He, when, you know, he, so many beautiful stories, went into Radio City Music Hall, looked around, paid his 25 cents, just enjoyed it for a day, and then walked away. To embrace life like this, to just say, it's all your joy. It's made of your joy. And that's what Master came to bring to the West so many, many, many things. But the model of his life was to embrace life and people with love and joy, not to be deterred by the setbacks in life, but to just keep seeing behind, using the Star of Bethlehem to guide us and to see Christ consciousness in the lily, in the woman uh, uh, about to be stoned, in the most mundane things. And the story of this time of year to keep saying, uh, trying to achieve daily the birth of Christ consciousness within us. Because if we can do that, and that's what Master came to give us, truly, the ability to awaken in Christ consciousness. 
and he came to the West. When many of us have seen the movie Awake, it's it's astonishing. He came 1920, the Roaring Twenties, the era of prohibition and gangsters, and there he was, the most popular lecturer in America. How did he do that? With the power of his joy and his love that he has come to awaken in us. So what a time of joy this is. But remember, amidst all the lovely blessings we have of living in community, what is the path that leads to the Christ consciousness? How does the Star of Bethlehem guide us? It's through deep meditation, as it said in this reading from Whispers, focus concentration and feeling on the Christ consciousness. We'll be having our all-community-long meditation on Wednesday. Some of you have participated and others already. But let this Christmas meditation, let us pray that we may touch that the side of the manger where the Christ child is sleeping. And may we, like those three kings, may he open his eyes and look into our eyes and say, you have come. See?